a member of the DATC media family. This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Humphreys McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Humphreys McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope that you were able to check out the last fresh episode from two weeks ago that featured a recap of Umphrey's two nights at Fool's Paradise in St. Augustine, Florida, June 4th and 5th, and the four-city tour with the Disco Biscuits, June 9th through 12th. There is a link in the show notes if you wanted to give that a listen. Also in the show notes, there is a link for my 2022 playlist featuring all the tunes played so far this year that I thought were highlights. That's an ever-evolving list, so even if you've checked it out before, there's always new additions after the guys play a show. Did you know that DATC Media Company is now on Patreon? Yep, offering all sorts of really awesome exclusive merch items, content, and more to our incredible patrons. There's a variety of tiers, options, and ways for you to show your love and support. Your monthly contribution helps make Dropped Among This Crowd podcast, the Umphreys Wow Show, Crooked Conversations, and a ton more Umphreys fan-related content coming soon possible. Check it all out at patreon.com slash DATC Media Company. This week, I am very pleased to welcome to the show Sasha Savinoff from Grateful Gypsies. This conversation has been a long time in the making. So happy that our schedules were able to match up and we could finally make this happen. Sasha and I talk about his life with his beautiful wife of seven years, Rachel. They just celebrated their anniversary a few days before our chat. Our conversation starts with Sasha telling me more about their life as digital nomads. He takes me on the journey of how this lifestyle started for them and explains exactly what being a digital nomad is. He talks about where his passion for teaching came from and what it's like to teach English as a second language online. Sasha talks about travel hacking, explains to me exactly what it is and how they use it to get to all of these places all over the world. He talks about where the name Grateful Gypsies came from and jokingly coins a term that I hope catches on after this episode. While being a digital nomad sounds like an awesome way to live, Sasha shares some disadvantages to living like this and shares a travel horror story. He also tells me where in the world he's not visited that he would love to and offers some advice to anyone that is considering this type of lifestyle. We talk about what 2020 and the pandemic was like for them, 
what it's like being a summer camp camp counselor since 2017 and all of the incredible perks that come along with that. And of course, we talk about Umphreys McGee. He tells me about his first show back in 2003, his favorite place to see the band, the song he would love to hear them cover, his favorite thing about being a part of this amazing community, and so much more. This was such an awesome conversation. So grateful that Sasha took the time while visiting family and celebrating his anniversary so that we could do this. So thank you so much, Sasha. Like I said, this was such an awesome conversation. This was so much fun to finally be able to sit down and chat. We've run into each other at shows over the years, um, but to be able to have this time and and really get to know him and more about his life uh, was really awesome. So thank you so much, and I am so looking forward to raging a show with you later this summer. Do you create really rad fan art? Is your band wanting to get into the ears of umfreaks? Maybe your small business provides an awesome service and you'd like some like-minded clients to work with. Are you looking to hire some music-loving folks for your team? Perhaps you've had an idea for an umfreaks-themed podcast or something else that you just know this community would love, but you weren't sure where to start. Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company wants to help. With space available for your Umphreys-related show idea, social media promotion of your band, ad spots across the network, and so much more, Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company can help you be seen, heard, and reach tons of fellow Umphreaks, musicians, and other kind folks. Want to know more or have questions? Shoot an email to Sarah at DATCMediaCompany.com. So here is my conversation with Sasha Savinoff from Grateful Gypsies. So I just want to start out by asking you about your digital nomadic lifestyle. Um, when did that kind of become what you guys wanted to do and explain a little bit more about exactly what that means. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we've been digital nomads since I would say basically in 2016, that's kind of when we, um, when I could say we started, you know, living that lifestyle, we were in Bali at the time, which was, um, kind of an extended honeymoon, to be honest. Like we lived in China for several years teaching English there. So, you know, we were having a very interesting experience. We were living abroad, but we like, you know, had an apartment with our names on the lease and we had, you know, various jobs over the years and we were pretty tied down there. Right. So we got to travel a lot, but there was always like, Oh, we can go here for a couple of days and then we got to go back to work, you know, back to our apartment, blah, blah, blah. And it was actually on our first trip to Bali when at the end of the, 10 days or whatever it was we were there I was just like why are we leaving this place is great I just want to stay here yeah. you know and Rachel's like 
because uh, we have an apartment and all our stuff in it in Beijing, and we got to go back to work on Monday. And I was like, but why? What if we just didn't? What if we didn't have that stuff? Like, yeah. what if we just didn't have to do that? And the wheels started turning there, and um, that was 2012. So at that point, there was you didn't really hear about like digital nomadism. There weren't that many people working online and traveling around. But I was starting to get a taste of it because I was doing some blogging um, for a language company. I was writing blogs about Chinese language and culture. Then I started doing YouTube videos for them and their Facebook page. And then they wanted to get some fresh content for other uh, language blogs. And we were you know, traveling around Asia. So I was doing videos and blog posts about Japan, South Korea, Thailand. Uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, and I was like, "Cool, I can I can make money on my computer, you know, and I could like create content based on my travels." And I I'm starting to see that kind of you know picture coming in, you know, development like one of those things you used to play with as a kid, right? Like you could yeah. see the picture forming, um, but it wasn't really clear yet. And then I liked Bali so much, we went back again on a long backpacking trip. And once again, just didn't want to leave. It was like, I want to stay here. This is my place. I love it here. Um, how can I stay here longer? And I ended up applying for a program through the Indonesian government. Um, it's called Dharma Siswa. And it's basically a program, like a study abroad kind of thing. But um, you study Indonesian language and culture specifically. So it can be like gamelan music. It could be Balinese dance. It could be Javanese dance. It could be just the language. And I was like, yeah, I'll apply for that. Cool. Uh, our friend had done it and had a good experience. And so, yeah, I went for it, got accepted. And we got married in Asheville in 2015 and went over to Bali so I could do that program. And obviously we like moved out of our place in China and, you know, had finished our contracts or whatever last job we were on. And we were just living there. I was doing the program. I was doing my blogging that we weren't really making much money, you know, just like, oh, we saved money and I get a stipend and I, I do my freelance work every month, brings in enough, you know, and it went by so fast because we had so many visitors. Turns out when you move to Beijing, no one wants to visit. When you move to Bali, everyone wants to visit. <laughs> uh, and that's when like, because I was going to class, Rachel was a Balinese housewife, as she likes to joke, jokingly say, and she was like trying to figure out how, you know, she can make our blog work. We started a blog, I should have mentioned that, um, years earlier called Grateful Gypsies, just to document our own you know, experiences over there. And it was totally just for fun, creative outlet, something to send family and friends and post on Facebook and stuff. And when we were living in Bali, that's when Rachel started to get into reading more about you know, monetizing a blog and creating content and you know, making that work for you and just having that be your job and she put a lot of effort into it and we started to see some kind of success there uh but we were still like wow we're not making anywhere near enough money to just like do this you know um but then we found uh out about teaching english online this started to take off in 2016 so we were basically like okay instead of going back to china to sign another lease in our contract or going to Thailand or Vietnam or wherever, let's try the online thing. And, you know, at that point after, I think it was six years for her, seven for me in Asia, it was like, we really missed going to shows and festivals and yeah. casual gatherings with friends and family and stuff. So we came back to the U S 
and tried out that lifestyle of like teaching online while we were visiting family and friends, going to Humphreys Red Rocks, going to Widespread Panic Las Vegas, going to Lollapalooza, going to Lock-In. We got all over the country that summer and somehow made it work by like teaching online, you know, doing stuff for our blog. I was still doing lots of freelance work and we were starting to see like we could probably forego the, you know, sign a contract, sign a lease thing. Let's run with this for a little bit. So we moved to Mexico in January 2017. And yeah, basically haven't looked back since then. The last five years have been pretty much all in the US or across Latin America with a couple trips to Europe, two for me, one uh, together. Um, and yeah, it's uh, been an evolving, ever-changing thing ever since then. I mean, no, no two days are the same, no two weeks are the same. That's awesome. That that's a long answer, but that's well. You 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 had to give the the whole picture. I love that. So where did you set up the living in China part first? Because it it wouldn't have happened without that. You know. Yeah, it's it's the whole journey for sure. So where did your like interest in even teaching language come from? Um. I mean, I kind of have ended up like as a teacher my whole life, uh, not really by choice, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have six younger siblings. And so I was always like helping with homework and, you know, babysitting. So I was always kind of like that older brother, even like in my uh, extended family. I'm the oldest of the 36 grandkids. I think my grandparents have. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I- Irish Catholic, you know. how that oh, Okay. Goes. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like I've always been kind of like teaching, mentoring, whether that's good or bad. Uh, <laughs> and then like I was a cellist in high school, um, oh, and I cool. taught ch- I taught cello lessons to younger kids, and was like, you know, I actually kind of like this. It's certainly better than flipping burgers. Like I made decent money doing that, yeah. and you know, like just it was a cool job to have. And I ended up in college teaching ACT and SAT prep. Uh, as one of my like part-time jobs and then when I graduated like it was uh, May 08 and the economy was going straight in the dumps you know I was at Michigan State go green Um, and I I majored in telecommunications which really I think they changed the program now to be called digital media that's what it should have been called at the time because I was doing video production audio production graphic design uh, live TV, live radio, all that. And just like at that time, nobody had any job, not even entry level in the radio station or TV stations in Lansing. You know, I did internships. I volunteered in conferences. I was on the honor roll. Like I was crushing it, but there were no jobs. Um, so that's how I stumbled into teaching English. It was like, well, I can move back in with my parents. I can stay in my college town and deliver pizzas or I can try something totally different and um, decided to give it a shot. I did, you know, signed uh, up for a year in Beijing thinking I'd go see the Olympics. This was 08, you know, I'll go see the Olympics. I'll climb the great wall. You know, I'll learn how to use chopsticks. You know, I'll have some funny (laughs) stories to tell and then I'll come home and get a real job. And well, you know, I liked the first year so much went by way too fast. I didn't get to go to half the places I wanted, you know, I learned some Chinese, but my Chinese was still kind of terrible. So I was like, I felt like I had unfinished business. So um, after a summer of Wook, 
what shit, as we like to say. <laughs> I dragged Rachel along and she was in the same situation as me. She had done music business at App State in North Carolina and like, you know, did internships, volunteered, was at the student record label, doing everything you're supposed to do and getting no results. So she was like, screw it. I, I got to get out of here. Let, let's go to, I'll go with you to Beijing. And, you know, we've been teaching not like full-time ever, you know, it's, it's always kind of like a part-time job in addition to other things we do, but we both like it. You know, it, it is a, a job where you at least feel like you're doing something positive for someone, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I never set out to be a teacher, but you know, it's like 15 years in now and I'm still doing it. So. Well, and, and teaching online, you were kind of uh, ahead of the curve here with kind of where the world went sure. two years ago, you know, you were yeah. already doing this. So we, talk we already about had what the that's home office like. set up and yeah, yeah, you guys were ready. What is, what is it like to teach English to someone that that's not their first language over the computer? Yeah, it, it can be a bit uh, tricky online, you know, with like lags and technology issues, especially, um, and, you know, just like, uh, you're not like seeing each other that clearly sometimes, right? Whereas like in a classroom, it's way more, uh, you know, personal, I guess. But I mean, we've been doing it for years now. And I we do like that typically our classes are just one-on-one. So it kind of takes out that need to manage the classroom and discipline and call on people and do this and that. We don't have to do that. There are certainly online teaching gigs where you are teaching to a group we just haven't really uh, done that at all it's always one-on-one so it's not that difficult when you're one-on-one and most of the platforms we, we've worked on they give some kind of placement test or whatever so you know what level someone's at before you even meet them and with kids the lessons are usually pretty simple right and fun and silly and there's some interactive elements and there's some songs that sort of thing so it's like people always ask us isn't it really hard to teach them and it, we say well we're not really teaching them they learned it before the class and we're enabling them to practice and then give them feedback on their pronunciation if they click the wrong answer help them out with getting the right one you're more like a coach right they're learning a lot of this stuff on their own with translations with the help of little videos and animations um, and then with adults, most of the adults we teach are in Europe and they're at a more intermediate or advanced level. So again, you're not even really teaching them. It's more like having a conversation, um, facilitating, you know, a discussion. We'll, we'll follow lesson plans. Sure. Um, that we, you know, we paid for this database basically where we can say to our students, what are you interested in business English? Okay, boom, we'll download this lesson and we'll look at it together and, yeah, it's 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 not like we're starting from square one with our students, you know. That's cool. That's neat. And and like you it's said, more it's like a coach. You feel like you're contributing something. You're enriching people's lives and and helping them learn this language. So that's neat. Yeah, especially when it's one on one, you really like see that impact as as students progress, right, over the years. I've had some kids that I've taught hundreds of times and I see that progress, you know. They were level three when they started with me and now they're level seven and they can have a conversation with you. And it's like, wow, I, I helped that kid out, you know, and maybe they're going to get a better test score, get into a better school and have a better future because of it. So that's rad. That's really cool. Yeah. So is there I'm always teaching them about the dead and fish and ivory? <laughs> 
hey, if it's there, you you know, you have to to take the opportunity. And music's a great way to teach people language. So I mean, it's it's awesome that you can do when that. When we when we lived in Beijing, we worked at a corporate training center and it was very corporate. I had to wear a shirt and tie and like leather shoes and I had to punch into a clock and I had to ask for time off. And <laughs> as a hippie, what guy I hated all that bullshit, but it was a good job. And they did let me kind of do my own thing as much as I could in that in that realm. But one of the things Rachel and I did at our respective centers is we had a music English corner once a week. And it was one of the most well-attended events in each of our centers every week. People loved it. And we would just pick an artist that we liked. Um, sometimes we'd kind of go more in a popular music realm so our students could relate. You know, we're trying to teach them things through the language, through the lyrics. So yeah. we were not playing a 25 minute, you enjoy myself for them. But, you know, I did play <laughs> like Waste by Fish and, yeah. um, you know, maybe um, Box of Rain by the Dead or something like that. And people yeah. loved it. They really responded to it. So, you know, that was great being able to do that, to, to share that part of, of who we are with, with people on the other side of the world who would otherwise never, ever hear of the Disco Biscuits or... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure that's awesome that's so cool so is there anywhere in the world that you haven't visited that is on your bucket list um yeah i mean so we've been around asia pretty extensively uh, but we've always wanted to do a trip in south asia like india nepal and sri lanka and uh, people watching the news but sri lanka is basically uh under civilian control after they just kicked the president out. So not a good time to travel to Sri Lanka <laughs> right now, but that whole region, we would love to go there and do some, you know, exploring, spend several months um, doing that. Uh, I've never been to a land down under, Rachel has. So I, I wouldn't mind getting to go to Australia and New Zealand. She went when she was way younger too. So, you know, that's something that would be cool to, to do. And, I, and neither of us has stepped on the African continent either. So, geez, you know, we've done so much traveling and it's been so many years that we've been doing it. But it's like you look at the globe and go, wow, there's still these places I haven't I haven't been to, you know, I barely yeah. scratched the surface. So um, the big thing really was we wanted to go to Europe together. I had been a couple of times and she had never been. And we did that this year. So that was our big trip this year was uh, Portugal, Spain and Italy for six weeks. And that was rad. Um, but that coupled with all the summer music stuff is like, we can't even think about really uh, other big travel plans at the moment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So how do you guys like afford being able to the hotels and things like yeah. that? I've, I've seen on um, your blog, you've, you've posted some different like ways to kind mm -hmm. of take advantage of airline miles and and these different things so go a little yeah. bit into that of how you guys uh use these reward systems or all these other things to aid in being able to travel sure yeah that's a great question um and i i don't know i think i in a previous life was meant to be like an accountant actually that's kind of what i went to msu thinking that i was going to do business school and accounting and I was taking those generic classes and doing well and they were sending me letters like oh you should apply for the accounting school blah 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 and uh, I was working at a pizza place and I told a, uh, a 
not a colleague, but a guy who you had used to work there who, you know, had gone on and done this and that and would still come in the shop and we would talk about life and whatever. He asked me what I was going to do. And I was like, well, I'm thinking I'm just going to, you know, go into accounting, whatever. And he looked at me and was like, I've met you. I know you not that well, but I was your substitute teacher. I work, worked here in the pizza shop. I talked to you all the time. You're not an accountant. Don't do that. You're going to hate your life. I was like, all right, well, I mean, yeah, it's not like it's that fun doing it, but um, <laughs> I decided not to be an accountant, obviously, but I got, I have those skills and I, I'm, and I, I don't like, I like keeping a budget. I like keeping track of our uh, spending. You know, if, if I didn't, we'd be screwed. Like, especially like balancing different uh, currencies and stuff. So first of all, I'm pretty detailed oriented in that regard. I have lots of spreadsheets and I use a couple apps to keep track of everything. Um, yeah, so you miss little things here and there, but like I'm pretty on point with keeping track of that. And then the travel hacking thing, like as you mentioned, that's what people call it, travel hacking. So for Americans, uh, it's a blessing and a curse that credit is very easily, widely available for us. Um, but if you can be smart about it and, you know, keep track of your shit and be on top of it, like people don't realize like the banks will just give you, you know, I'm just trying to think of, of we we're always churning credit cards. Well, I'll get a credit card. We'll start using that card for everything. I'll hit the sign up bonus limit, whatever. I'll get my points. I'll get my cash back, whatever. And then Rachel will apply for a card and we're always like we're in a cycle like we try to have it so at any point in the year usually one of us has a new card that we're working towards a bonus on and as long as you're keeping track of it and realize like for example first year is free second year is 99 bucks if you don't feel like it's worth it you cancel it and and before you pay the fee so if you're on top of it right you can like really cash in just this year uh, I've gotten one with the airlines cards where I got 200 bucks off a of flight immediately and then 35 or 40,000 points. And then I got a different one with a similar deal, 200 bucks off the flight, 40,000 points. Rachel's had a card that was so simple as spending $500 to get 200 cash back. So we were basically like, oh, let's buy $200 of concert tickets and then spend $300 on gas and groceries. And those concert tickets were free. Yeah, that's amazing. Because like, and that's, it's that easy. It's that easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it is a matter of being organized for sure, because there are rules about applying for so many cards in a certain time. You don't want to mess up your credit. You don't want to go spend, you know, get a card that has a $5,000 sign up limit in three months. If you don't need to spend $5,000 on stuff, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. can't, can't just be getting the card. Like, well, I'll just go on Amazon and get all this crap I don't need so I can get the points. It's like, we'll, get those higher limit cards when we know I'm getting a new computer this year. MacBooks ain't cheap. So basically one year, I remember I got a MacBook Pro and, and, and a watch. And then like the next day I had like 50,000 points, which if you're flexible with your travel schedule, if you know how to use this, the systems to search, I just got flights from Asheville, North Carolina, a tiny regional airport with like three gates, yeah. all the way back to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for 10,000 points each. Yeah. for November, which is like the start of high season. That's so that's incredible. basically what, what we're always doing. And so like I could add up, you know, how much we've spent in flights this year and last since things started reopening and we've been going to a ton of shows. Like we did the whole fish fall tour and we barely spent any actual like money on flights. Wow. 
all points, you know. It's incredible. And then as far as like places to stay, we do a lot of uh, couch surfing or uh, air mattress uh, life with friends and family. So we have awesome friends and family. Uh, I mean, most of our friends around the country are friends we met going to shows and festivals. Yeah. And, you know, we will come into town and we'll, we'll message people we know and, you know, we're not picky. Couch, air mattress. I'm starting to get old though. It's like my neck hurts all the time. Um, <laughs> so like I do, you know, here and there, try to like save some of my points for hotel stays instead of using them all for flights. So that's a good strategy to like get um, different cards where you can say you have the American Airlines one that's specifically to use to get points so you can book flights with American if they come to your, if they're, you know, a hub where you live, whatever. But then you can get another card where you're getting points you can use for hotels or rental cars. Um, and then when, we, when we're out of the country, you know, we were using Airbnb a lot for like five years. And the last year or so, I don't know, it's been like, it's definitely been not, not as good. I feel like harder to find nice places, more fees. And so we've looked at Facebook groups a lot, um, especially in places like Puerto Vallarta and Medellin, where we've spent like months at a time we'll go on Facebook groups and try to get to owners directly or just, you know, find other nomads who are leaving town. Right. And they want you to stay at their place for a few months. So they are not just paying rent while they're going to do something else. Um, and we're about to go do a house sit for friends, which is like kind of a way to get our feet wet in that, in that realm. We're going to watch our friend's house and their two dogs while they go on vacation. And uh, probably finally, we've been meaning to do this for years set up like a house sitter profile and and start to look into that realm where you're watching someone's home probably a dog or a cat or plants whatever like you're taking care of stuff and you're doing that in exchange for a place to stay so That's it's cool. a mishmash of stuff that keeps us on the road and you know we don't have extravagant tastes um so you know just trying to to stick to a, a budget sort of and definitely like taking advantage of opportunities through travel hacking and not being afraid to reach out to friends and family and say, Hey, we're coming to town and we'd love to see you. If you got a couch, we could sleep on. That'd be great too. <laughs> For sure. So, and it's always yeah. a nice excuse to be able to actually spend some time with friends when you're in town for a show too. If you're, oh. you're staying with them, it's, it's a great excuse to spend some more time together. Exactly. And you know, we're never asking people to host us for a month. It's usually like a weekend. Right. right. Hey, we do have a couple really good friends, especially our buddy Dan out in Denver. He's a huge um freak. He was my roommate in college. He's my only uh, college roommate I actually enjoyed living with. So, and he's <laughs> reiterated the same thing to me. So like he's got space out in Denver and uh, we don't mind crashing in the extra room in the basement where he's got his whole DJ setup and like the drum kit and guitar for when he has band practice. So it's like that kind of setup, you know, like no one else would really want to stay in that room. And he realizes that. So, Hey, we can come to town and crash for a week. And, um, you know, I cook, I clean, I'm a decent roommate. <laughs> yeah. You're good. You're a good person to have there. That's awesome. That's great. And I'll walk the dog. I'll always walk the dog. <laughs> You know, that's awesome if you're gonna kind of be a wook like we're like business wooks kind of right but if you're gonna have business wooks i like that <laughs> if you're gonna have wook tendencies you know it's nice to also offer to like run to the grocery store or show up with a 12 pack instead of drinking all of the beer which is usually what a wook does right 
for sure for sure i like that <laughs> business work that's great that's fantastic you should coin that term actually <laughs> for sure to, to be honest um so grateful gypsies i came up with in 2013 because i wanted to start a blog and we're deadheads and we're hippies and like people can recognize that part right the grateful right so i wanted to like start something with that in it and i was trying to think of something cool with alliteration because i'm an english teacher and it's like grateful globetrotters grateful gallivanters i don't know that really works you know i was like grateful gypsies and i looked it up and dictionaries like a gypsy is a nomadic free-spirited person i was like rad that's that's perfect and then like seven years later you know people are like ah that name is racist actually you're a racist i'm like ah shit i'm not though like there is a bad connotation to the name in Eastern Europe for sure. And now I've learned about it, but I have, I have a blog, I have a YouTube, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, I have all this stuff. It's like, I've already got my name out there. It's kind of, it's, it's your change. brand really at this point. And yeah, but we did think about changing to wandering wooks. So I like grateful gypsies. <laughs> I think we're going to, we're going to stick with it. The only thing I might do, and I haven't even really looked into it would be grateful nomads, but the conventional spelling of nomad someone already has that name and they don't even use it it's like an instagram page with no posts we've tried to see if they'd be interested in letting us take over pay pay for it whatever um and that's gone nowhere so i thought what if we make it grateful nomads but like g-n-o-m and our logo becomes uh a couple of gnomes that would be cute. You could get like kind of a character adaptation of the two of you as gnomes. I think that'd be super cute. So we'll see. I'm actually just realizing that my mother-in-law has, I think the last remaining um, Grateful Gypsy sticker on her pinboard here. And I hope I don't mess things up too bad, but I'm going to show you the stickers that we had made many years ago. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. Look at you guys. <laughs> so our friend, uh, Allie, is a very talented artist. And I told her I wanted us in a hippie bus on top of the world. And that's what she that's what she gave us. And I love that. Improvise your life. That's exactly. fantastic. So, you know, it's like, yeah, we do have a great logo and the name has a nice ring to it. But, um, you know, the one problem with it is that you'd be surprised, even Americans who are apparently English as a first language uh, speakers, misspell not only gypsies, but grateful all the time. People don't know how to spell the word grateful. So that just means that they need to do some more like daily gratitude journaljournaling, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times I've seen someone try to look us up and spell G-R-E-A-T, I'm like, nope. And then they'll go like G-I-P-S. I'm like, nope, you're just Strike it out here. So, you know, if we change it to grateful <laughs> nomads, like the gnomes, I don't think it would be a big difference. I'd still have to tell people how to spell it. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We're, we got too much shit going on right now and doing a name change and, and, you know, all that's involved with it yeah. is tough. And it seems like people have cooled down with the calling us a racist online thing. So maybe that was just a fad. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, Clearly, I'm not a racist. I've lived in China, Indonesia, Mexico, Colombia. I speak Chinese, Indonesian, and Spanish. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like all people, and you know, if you can't, if you can't like see that and realize that it's just a name, and it's one I chose like nine years ago, and it does still say uh, "free spirited nomadic person" on Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Then everybody just needs to calm down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's bigger things we need to be upset about, I think. Exactly. So for now, the name stays. 
you know, um, I just need to make some more content because we've been too busy <laughs> for me to even like sit down and write or edit videos. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing, work. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a lot of work, especially to keep up with the content online. I mean, I know being, you know, a content creator and oh, yeah. trying to have a presence online, it's sometimes it's a full time job you know, making sure your Instagram sure. is doing these different things and all of that algorithmy social media bullshit and recording, editing, yeah. publishing, promoting, yeah, responding it's... to comments, checking yeah. the email. Yeah. We have, we've been having all sorts of tech issues with our blog, which means we got to sit down and talk with tech support and get it figured out so people can actually read our stuff. And yeah, like it's it, a lot. Yeah. It zaps your day pretty quickly when you're working on all that. <laughs> and For you don't sure. have we don't have budget for, for assistance, unfortunately. So if we did, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a one woman show over here. I mean, I have an amazing editor, um, who, who does my sound and, and stuff like that. But as far as doing everything online and, and responding yeah. to the emails and the comments and the, it's, it's a lot, and especially just being on social media, a lot is oh, for sure. kind of mind numbing in, in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, at least I get to like scroll past all the funny jam band memes in the process because they're gold this summer absolute gold yeah. oh yeah for sure for sure oh good we're living in a good time for, for music right now and, and 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 all the memes that come along with it definitely so i'm hearing a shit ton of advantages to your lifestyle but share some disadvantages um well we don't live anywhere so yeah. that gets um that gets old uh you know like just, I can even just speak about today and, and tomorrow and just what we're doing at the moment. We're staying at my wife's stepdad's house in North Carolina the last couple of days outside Asheville. Uh, like I said, we got married there. So we wanted to hang out and do our anniversary there and got lots of friends there. It's great, but like, it's not our house. So, you know, yeah. we still live out of a suitcase there. Um, we don't put up any decorations uh, once in a while. We'll get our little things out. You know, if we're there for like a week or two, we'll get our little lights out or, you know, this and that and kind of like, Oh, make it feel a little bit like home, but it's not our home. And at the end of the week or whatever, we pack it up and, and move along. And so like keeping track of your stuff, right. We're trying to like pack for this big month on the road we got coming up. And it's like, all right, well, where are my winter clothes? I think they're in that suitcase in your mom's attic. Um, and I think, Oh, where did I leave those those hiking boots? I think they're actually in the closet over that that kind of stuff. Like it gets hard to keep track of everything. And then, you know, like at the end of a long trip, whatever, you don't have that, oh, I get to go home and sleep in my bed feeling. Yeah. It's like I'm on Airbnb looking at places in Mexico or wherever we're going and trying to find a place. And you can look at pictures and reviews, and that's great, but until you step foot into a place. You don't know what it's going to be like. And we've had mostly good experiences, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And you've got to like, you know, get Airbnb involved and say, hey, this place doesn't have internet and I'm a digital nomad and I sent that to the host and now I'm here and I have to work tomorrow and there's no internet. And you're scrambling to figure out where to go in a place you've never been, uh, you know, using Google Translate to help you read something in Spanish <laughs> to, so you can do your work the next day. So that kind of stuff, like it gets old, you know, it's, it's, it's a constant grind. Um, like the, the work never stops trying to find the next thing, the next place to go, where to stay, right? Trying to schedule in your work. Um, and it's like, for us, we're freelancers through and through. We don't really have, either of us, neither of us has a job 
right now where we're like guaranteed any amount of anything. So every week is kind of a hustle, right? And uh, things change. We were teaching uh, students in China primarily for the last couple of years and doing great, super high demand. There's a ton of them and their parents want them all to learn English. So, you know, the gravy train was rolling for a while. Then the Chinese government decided they wanted to ban after school tutoring, which included the platform we were working on. So it just went like poof overnight. And we lost our biggest, most reliable source of income. And uh, we've been working since October to try and figure out a way to replace it to no avail. So it's like kind of, uh, you know, it's great until it isn't. And right yeah. now we're kind of scram- scrambling amidst a really busy summer of music and family and friends and stuff to like figure out what the hell we're doing next. Right. Right. Basically like we got plans through the summer and I'm not going to cancel them just because I'm not making as much this July. I'll just be, you know, uh, frugal and be creative with the budget and obviously crashing with friends and using miles instead of, you know, paying for flights and and hotels. Um, But yeah, I'd say the, the, the advantages still outweigh the disadvantages, but you know, it depends on the month. Some months are like, ah, this sucks. Yeah. I just want to get a, a job. Like, yeah. And I know I don't really want to, but I just like want stability. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go, you guys will ever go back to a normal lifestyle? I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, yeah. It's hard to say what that even means to us at this point. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's why I'm just like, what yeah. really is a normal lifestyle for yeah. anybody? <laughs> because like ne- neither of us has ever gone to like a traditional 40 hour a week job ever. So yeah, we never even we never even had that experience, right? To to say let's go like go back to it. we would be starting from square one, and I'm about to turn thirty seven. So it, yeah, when it, it would be a completely different uh, thing if I if I were to do that. But you know, as far as like going back to oh, we live here and I go to work here and I do that. You know, maybe uh, I'm not sure. It really depends on what happens in the near future because, like I said, we lost the VIP kid that was the company. Uh, it seems like they're kind of making a comeback somehow, but it's still kind of technically against the law for them to do it. So I don't really know what's going on with that. Wow. Um, I'm trying to get, I've been doing more tutoring with American kids. There, there's more online stuff now, especially thanks to COVID. People realize, hey, this is actually kind of convenient to like have after school stuff on Zoom, right? Like yeah. extra help without needing a ride to a place and yeah. and this and that. So I'm hoping that that picks up in the fall, um, you know, our traffic on our website's gone up. It went way down in COVID. It's been kind of going back up. So it's like, we're right now we're kind of trying to see what we can set up in the fall and um, tentatively going back to Mexico in November. But, you know, if, if work situation, whatever doesn't improve, we'll start to get, you know, back to the drawing board and see what the options are. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things we're considering now. One of which is, uh, building a tiny house of some sort, or my wife doesn't like that phrase tiny house. Cause it can't be tiny. It has to be a little bigger than tiny, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, kinda, we're spoiled in that regard. Her stepdad still has his place, which is, uh, in the countryside there outside Asheville. And he moved in here with her mom in Johnson city. We're passing through on our way to Nashville and enjoying their nice office and their nice chair. Uh, but yeah, he's got a bunch of land out there and he basically said like, hey, if you guys wanted to like put a tiny house, uh, 
trailer of something here and that's yours and you can come and go, you could rent it out, you know, um, when you're not here and we just pay him a, a fee, whatever we're talking about doing that. So that's one of the things we're considering. I think that'd be cool. You know, that way we would have our own place, small as it may be, in a place that we love, uh, Asheville, and that we're familiar with, where we have friends. And so that's something I'd like to get the ball rolling on for sure. I think it'd be cool. You know, we've stayed in so many Airbnbs. Like, I know what's what works and what doesn't. I know what, you know, will get recurring guests and people to leave you good reviews. I already know what kind of people we would be marketing to and how we would be able to make their trip to Asheville the best that it possibly could be. So I feel like there are, are a lot of opportunities there. Um, and, you know, I, I do um, stuff for summer camp fest. I'm one of the camp counselors, best unpaid job ever. I don't get <laughs> paid in dollars, but I mean, I get hooked up at summer camp and throughout the year I'm going to shows as a summer camp rep. And that's getting me back into where I was before we went to China, where I used to do a lot of that. I'm like, I love this. Like, I love doing promo for shows. I love working at the shows. I love, you know, interviewing artists and doing stuff like that. So, and Rachel got a music business degree once upon a time. So, you know, if we end up setting something up in Asheville and it becomes kind of like home, I mean, just look at the calendar for Asheville this year. It's insane. Everybody comes there yeah. now, yeah. except, except your, you know, fish dead. Um, you know, really, really big bands, but everybody else everybody comes to Asheville. Comes there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for, for us to get more involved. And, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to see what opportunities present themselves and not really uh, go into it with, with a plan necessarily, just like go with the flow, surrender yeah. to the flow, whatever you want to call it and see what happens. And it, yeah, if at some point, you know, I end up saying, well, maybe I want to move back to Asia and get a teaching job in Vietnam. Then I might do that. I don't know. That's awesome. That, that's the way to I, live your life, though, is just kind of be like, whatever happens. <laughs> I, I, I can say I don't really see either of us like say, saying anytime soon that we would like commit to a job in person here yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. It'd have, to be, it'd have to be a job that's fully remote that we could do from Mexico for a couple months, from Colombia for a couple months, whatever. Or it would be, we're going overseas again to, to work here or there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to China at the moment, to be honest, but Vietnam, Thailand, um, a couple of places that we've visited that we really enjoyed that I wouldn't mind going back to for, it'd be surprised how fast a year goes. And I, I remind Rachel of this all yeah. the time. Like, what if, what if, you know, what if I did find a decent teaching job in Thailand for a school year? cool you're in thailand for a year and then you're not broke at the end of it that'd be great <laughs> for sure for sure you know <laughs> so we'll see we'll see i really don't know i i, I would have happily just kept doing what we were doing and you know when that little roadblock got thrown on us it's like oh this sucks because we had we were just getting ready to go on fish fall tour and we we're like cool we get to take two weeks off and then we'll come back and we'll crush it we came back and there was nothing to be crushed because all the classes were done so it was like really abrupt you know and yeah in hindsight, it kind of sucked that we took that vacation when we did because we missed out on those last few weeks of, of classes. So not only were we taking those two weeks, three weeks off, we were spending a shit ton of money out West. Yeah, yeah. 
And then we came back and it was like, oh, all, all the classes we thought we were going to teach in November weren't there. So we've just been like trying to play catch up. So it's been a weird time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm On the sure. bright side, it's given us more time to see shows, to spend leisurely time with friends and family in the summer. And yeah, you know, like realizing I'm making way less this summer than previous summers kind of sucks, but we're having a lot more fun. We're seeing a lot more shows. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something to, to be grateful for, for sure. And it makes you hustle because I'm like, I'm, I'm doing posters and flyers and stuff again, like pro, you know, doing promo and yeah. reaching out to bands and pulling my summer camp card out. Like, Hey, I can cover this show. I can do that. I can link up with these guys and yeah. you know, yeah. And doing the house set, for example, like, why not go do that? Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that leads to another one. And so just like, yeah, keep, keep the options open. For sure. You don't know where, where this is, is going to lead you in hindsight. You might look back at it and be like, you know what, actually that was a really good thing that that happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, it might be so. <laughs> I love that. So you shared a, like a, a little bit of a, I guess a travel horror story, getting to an Airbnb and not having the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. you need for work. But do you have like something in in mind that like has definitely happened everybody's got like a travel horror story and so do you have have something that you could share I mean the trip back from Bali when we when we came back to the U.S. after our year in Bali was 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 the trip from hell and the the horror story that oh god it was just so bad and it was it just especially bad because it came at the end of a magical nine months in Bali that we're like just such it was such an incredible time and we we had planned to come back to the U.S. to go to summer camp it was going to be my first time back at scamp since college and Rachel's first in general and our first um American festival in a couple of years and we're so excited about it but the only way for us to make it work was taking one flight from Bali to Kuala Lumpur and then checking into a different flight to Chicago via Shanghai. So first of all, long trip, three different flights, two different airlines, potential for shit to go wrong. Um, Leave Bali, get to Kuala Lumpur, no problem. And the flight to Shanghai was quite late. I remember we had like a long layover in the airport, whatever. We're used to that. Get the computer out, get the Kindle out, entertain yourself. Um, Then they got us on the plane and I fell asleep before they even moved. And then I remember it was a, a while later that I got woken up and they were telling us all to get off the plane. It's gonna be a, a delay. And it was so late at that point that the, the delay was gonna be several hours. We were gonna to need to all push chairs together at the airport or whatever. And they gave us like $10 food vouchers or something for the Kuala Lumpur airport. The only thing open was Burger King and the only thing they had was like lukewarm chicken tenders. So off to a great start. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get our lukewarm chicken tenders. We push some chairs together and put our face masks on as they're vacuuming the floor around you. And the lights are still on and miserable. There's no sleep to be had. Finally get to get on that flight to Shanghai. And because of the delay, I had missed the connecting flight to Chicago. And so they were going to put us on a flight the next morning (laughs) and like give us a shuttle to some crappy Chinese hotel for the night and like a dinner voucher or whatever. Uh, We were so mad. Uh, Just, you know, thankfully we had 
plan to go back a few days early. So it's not like we were missing summer camp. We were still going to get back in time, but it was just awful. And then we get our bags and they smelled like dead fish. I'm not joking. Ugh. So we're pretty sure they put frozen fish on that plane. And when it got delayed several hours, there's just like melting fish water Ugh. on our bags. And <laughs> even after a year out of China, my Chinese was, was still pretty good. And I was just letting them have it. White guy yelling <laughs> at them in Chinese. And they were like, oh, shit, he can speak Chinese. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, my bag smells like fish. Does it not smell it? It smells like fish. I didn't pack any fish in my bag. Why does my bag smell like fish? Finally convinced them to give me some cash money. Not much. Like, I remember we got to this terrible hotel they sent us to on the outskirts of Shanghai. Uh, put our bags in the hallway. Took a walk to the corner store. Bought as many beers as we could carry and two things of air freshener. And just sat in the room, like, slamming beers and occasionally going out in the hallway and spraying our bags down. And Rachel uh. had to teach that was when she first started teaching online. She had to teach like two classes on this hotel's terrible Wi-Fi. Barely got through them. And then we go down to get the free dinner. And, you know, after five, six years in China, I know what good food looks and smells like there. And I know what shitty hotel food looks like. And that was the latter. And I was like, I'm not eating this, you know, I'm not eating this, whatever. So we took our little pittance they gave us at the airport and went out and found a dumpling noodle joint and like, that was the only good part of the whole adventure was like hole in, <laughs> hole in the wall, dumplings and noodles and like a lukewarm Chinese beer. People are staring at us. I'm like, I tell them in Chinese, like, what are you looking at? You know, they're all oh, go back to eating their food. <laughs> I, was just, I was so angry. And usually I'll play along with that bullshit. Like I'll pretend they don't speak Chinese and then I'll let them talk about us. And then I'll chime in. I'll be like, oh, shit, you speak Chinese? Damn it, that's <laughs> embarrassing. But I wasn't even playing that time. I was just like, nope, don't look at me. What are you looking at? I know, angry. Um, and then, yeah, we, we finally got that miserable flight back and whatever, all the airports, airplanes, stress, this, that. Rachel got really sick after oh. summer camp and it wasn't look flu. I'm sure it was because of that trip. She couldn't talk. Like she had some, my dad's a doctor. He looked at her throat and was like, yeah, you got, you got something. I'm going to write you a prescription for anti antibiotics. She couldn't teach for the whole week after that because oh. she straight up couldn't talk. She's like writing notes to me and my, brothers like you know to help uh, out with stuff so it was the trip from hell and um we don't plan travel like that anymore as a result if there's a long <laughs> distance to be covered and we haven't even taken a, a, a flight that long since then if and when we're ready to do that again we will make sure it's like with one airline with one long stop right like just try to make sure that that there's no way that ever happens again because it was awful Lessons were learned. <laughs> and the bag smelled like fish for weeks. Like <laughs> I'm going to say, like, did you ever get it to not smell like fish? I feel like that's something that's just, fish is not a smell you get out. <laughs> we, I mean, you can put those big backpacks in, in the wash, thankfully. So after, you know, put them in the wash and I think we left them out in the summer heat, you know, just like cook in the sun and spraying Febreze on it. And oh. we, I don't know, we lit incense, and champa, <laughs> we did like everything, dude everything possible <laughs> it was brutal oh that's awful that's awful. i know it was like the lowest low after the highest high and you know that happens sometimes when you're traveling so definitely for sure you have to pay the dues i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah 
So what is some advice that you would give to someone that's thinking of living a digital nomadic lifestyle? Uh, I mean, usually tell people like, okay, if you have a job, first of all, like, good for you. That's, that's not a terrible thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I said, you know, like we're always trying to like work, kind of worrying about what are we doing for work this month? How much are we making? How much are we spending? Is that like, we got to get our own insurance. I got to do my own taxes. Like, you know, that part's not very glamorous. It's, it's a lot of work. So like, if you already have a job, uh, don't just go quitting it because you saw some people doing hashtag van life on Instagram or, or you write a grateful gypsies post about living in Bali and you think it looks amazing. Like if you have a job and there's any way you can do it remotely, right? Start there and see if you could work remotely. A lot of people just are now. So for most people listening, maybe they already are working remotely and maybe it's not full-time, but it's part of the time. Or maybe you could ask to do uh, a short stint remotely. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be like going to Bali or going to uh, Peru first. It can be like going out to Colorado or going to visit your family and wherever. And like just seeing if you can take your work with you and do it productively and then you actually enjoy it, right? While you're not in your comfort zone where you're not just going from your place to your office whatever can you cut it you know doing it that way so that's how we started was like let's visit family and friends and see how we make this work teaching both of us online Sasha's got to write Rachel's doing this we're like how are we making that work right instead of just like moving straight to Mexico and getting an Airbnb we kind of got our feet wet by staying with family and friends and you know more familiar places places without a language barrier and stuff like that and hey if you can if you can do that why not like elevate it and say i'll see if i can you know go live in mexico for a month or two in the winter it's great you know costa rica colombia i give you a lot of good good options um and yeah try it out right get an airbnb for a month and see see if you like it if you don't it's definitely not something you want to you know be quitting your job and giving up your apartment and selling all your stuff for. But if you do end up wanting to do that, I mean, there are, there are tons of opportunities out there. It's another reason I'm not like stressing that hard that we lost one job. Right. And it's been kind of a down time for some of my freelance writing. It ebbs and flows. Right. Yeah. I know I'll get another writing gig at some point. I haven't even been applying for them. They're out there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other things you can get into. You can be a virtual assistant. You can, um, I don't know, there's just like all these there's opportunities so out now. there. Yeah. Content creation, social media management, like, you know, so there's tons of resources, right? Podcasts, yeah. YouTube yeah. channels, blogs, books. So like start getting into it. And if it's something you, you really want to take on the road full time, then it's just a matter of getting your ducks in a row, you know? And I guess for us, it's like we never got settled. So it wasn't that hard to unsettle. Yeah. So. Yeah. We we kind of moved to China, like I said, as a result of the shitty economy, and we had uh, liberal arts degrees. So those are the first jobs to go. There were no jobs for us. We never got, you know, uh, that after college entry level job that most people get. We never moved into that apartment for four years and collected a bunch of stuff. We never did that. Yeah. We have people ask us, what do you do with all your stuff? I'm like, we have a couple bags of clothes and concert posters in my mother-in-law's attic. And I have yeah. like a box of crap at my parents' house because it's cold in Detroit. And I leave warm clothes there in case I have to go there in the winter. And that's it. Like we never amassed 
Like, yeah, you didn't buy a house never, and, and do all these other things. Car. Yep. So I get it for people who have done that, that it's like, it's a whole different ballgame to say, oh, I'm going to be a digital nomad. Well, what do I do with my stuff? Do I give up my apartment? Do I put my car in storage? Do I sell my car? What about my beloved little dog, Fito? Yeah. Like, I know this girl, Marcella, she takes her dog, Fito, with her all, all over the place. She's like a digital nomad superstar. But that's another thing you got to worry about. Getting the paperwork, getting the shots, whatever. So there's like yeah. a lot to consider. And it's really dependent on people's individual situations but i think like right now re- remote work is huge and it's not going anywhere um so i think more and more people will have this opportunity and maybe you don't want to go do it full-time like we do and live on an air mattress uh, at your co- old college roommate's place for a week uh, at a time as you bounce around being a nomadic wook but like you could maybe work remotely from costa rica for a month whatever and then come back and like yeah. keep your place you know yeah. it's nice yeah. to have a place <laughs> yeah it's yeah yeah for sure it's nice and, to at least your have own some bed so for you sure. don't have to go like full-on you know grateful gypsies mode like we're just <laughs> in that mode you know a rolling stone gap there's no moss and we've been, we've been rolling for years now so for us it's just kind of like inertia at this point but yeah. you know people got to realize you don't have to go off the deep end you could you could start small Right. You can, if you don't have a remote job, you can start looking into them. Yeah. You can think about various things that you might be able to do online to, to earn an income. And yeah, there's so many options. Now all these countries are coming out with digital nomad visas and residency programs. And like, that's not going anywhere. That's just going to get bigger and bigger. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a cool time, right? It's super interesting. Like, uh, sure. There was this big digital nomad um, event in Bulgaria a couple of weeks ago. Wow. We would have loved to have gone because there's actually a lot of people we know just through this community over the last few years. Yeah. We were seeing Goose at Radio City and then had other plans, um, you know, for the rest of the summer. So we didn't make it over there, but it's it, there's a huge community out there that's not that hard to tap into. Thanks yeah. to Facebook groups, thanks to these kind of events. And yeah, it looks like if, if you're interested, there's so much out there that, that you can read, watch and listen to right now to, to learn more about. Yeah. And I think the opportunities are there to give it a shot. Like you don't have to go full ham, quit my job, sell my car, uh, grow dreads, move to Costa Rica. <laughs> like you don't have to do that. That's cool though. Like you can do that too. <laughs> nice. So what was 2020 like for you guys? I mean, airports were closed. Nobody yeah. was traveling anywhere. So what what did that mean for you guys? Uh, and it started out so great. We, um, we did Pigeons New Year's 2019 in Asheville and went straight to Chicago to see the Biscuits to play three nights. I'll, I hate going to Chicago in the winter, but I'll make an exception for my band's. Um, exactly. and we love the biscuits. So we went for that. And then we went down to uh, Cancun and did some traveling in that part of Mexico, like Valladolid, Merida, Isla Holbosch, all these super cool places. And then flew back to Medellin, Colombia, where we had been previously. And we were looking at like, let's make this our nomad base this year. We already knew the rules of how to go in and out and stay for up to six months in the year. And that was kind of the plan. We also had lined up a trip from Colombia to Panama on a boat to stop at these like remote islands with um, 
Uh, they're called the San Blas Islands. And that was going to be like our first big press trip. And we were so excited. We got Rage Against the Machine tickets, Fish Summer Tour tickets. I remember I was like, this year is going to rock. Then everything <laughs> shut down. Then, and, no. <laughs> yeah. And we were, you know, teaching kids in China. So we were talking to them about it months before it made it over here. Yeah. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, our students are not going to school. They're telling us how they can't go out of the apartment. Like, is that going to happen here? And the next thing you know, yeah, we were in Medellin and they shut everything down. Borders, airports, everything. And they were super strict with the lockdown. At one point there, we were in like a semi-furnished one-bedroom Airbnb, which was great before COVID because we were close to all the action. Co-working spaces, cafes, bars, restaurants, the metro to take you other parts of the city. Awesome spot. And then everything shut down. You couldn't leave your apartment. So it was not comfortable. Stuck inside all day. Thankfully, we had a, a little balcony and it got lots of sun. And Medellin is a beautiful city. There's mountains all around. I uh, remember the day of the lockdown, I bought a yoga mat, a uh, ukulele, and a giant bottle of whiskey. And <laughs> those three things took care of me for, for a couple of weeks there. Um, and it kept getting extended. So basically, you know, it was like the host was super nice. And he, he was like, well, you guys can stay. There's nowhere. I, I know you can't leave. And it's not like I have other guests coming. So you can stay and you can like, walk over to the ATM and put money in week to week, whatever. So we had a place to live. Um, we were still working actually quite a lot. So there was that. And then, you know, um, fish biscuits, they all started playing the old shows once a week. And that was like, all right, we can watch that. We can FaceTime friends and pretend like we're at the show together. Um, that's when we got in the goose and Billy strings. Cause they were doing all those streams. And I said to Rachel, I said, when this shit ends, these, Two bands are going to the moon and oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that that happened. Um so definitely that helped, you know, having all that. But then we ended up uh taking a humanitarian flight to Fort Lauderdale. That's all that they would do. It was, you know, they would get you to Fort Lauderdale and you were on your own. And we rented a car and drove straight eleven or twelve hours to the mountain house there in Asheville and quarantined there for a bit. And, you know, a lot of guitar playing on the porch, a lot of walks in nature, a lot of disc golf. You know, we were pretty spoiled there, actually, like, because we could still go out. And after having experienced the strict lockdown in Colombia, like, we couldn't leave the apartment, but for once a week to buy groceries or go to the bank or the pharmacy. So, like, to come back to being able to jump in the car and go for a walk on the, you know, Blue Ridge Parkway or walk by the river, you know, everything was closed in Asheville. There were no shows. The breweries were, you know, you could pick up a six pack, socially distanced, covered in hand sanitizer to take it home. But there was nothing like social going on, but we have friends there and the ones who weren't super COVID paranoid, we would, you know, hang out still here and there. And um, we did a couple of those drive-in shows. We did the Umphreys drive-in in Chicago. Um, forget what else we did a lot of hiking you know a lot of hiking yeah. yeah um and just hanging out in nature and being grateful that we that we could do that you know after experiencing the lockdown so yeah it was a weird time uh but then we, you know when stuff opened up i mean we 
it's right back to the races. We, we yeah. hit it and not, not a lot of international travel since then because of restrictions and this and that and uncertainty, but we've managed to spend good amount of time down in Mexico and um, yeah, went, went over to Europe there and tons of shows, just like getting back to doing what we love, which is traveling around the country and sometimes around the world, see our favorite bands. For sure. Yeah, I, I thought about that when I was like doing these questions and stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, like 2020 was a thing. I Sometimes I yeah. forget about it, you know, and <laughs> you your, your lifestyle is just had to have completely have, have changed. So I was very yeah, interested well, to hear how that went for you was, guys. There were so many changes, you know, and it was like not just the not being able to travel, which we got so used to, right? But the fact that nobody was traveling meant that nobody was paying me to write articles about travel and that nobody was coming to our blog to look for travel advice. So that whole situation was like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> we got to adapt here. We got to figure something else out. So yeah, it was, a, it was a good time for reflection. There was lots of that. I, you know, I, I started to attempt to meditate. I still suck at it, but stuff like that, you know, it's I, a practice. I, That's why they say meditation practice. Yes. You know. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> being on the road, these kind of things, finding time for meditating, for yoga, for reading. Like it's hard when you're on the road and you're, you're you have this and that to do and these people to see and that show to go to and this flight to catch. And you got to yeah. look at that Airbnb for that next place. And I, I don't, I don't do those things as often as I would like. So during the lockdowns and stuff, that was like the one saving grace there was, I, you know, I finally got to like slow down and like, you know, take a yeah. deep breath here and there and, strum the guitar like I used to play guitar all the time then I didn't play really at all for years and COVID rolled around and I was like oh you know what I love playing guitar and disc golf why don't I do this like even when I can travel you know so I got the guitar out in the living room now it's coming with us to Nashville and you know I, I don't like strum it every day but like because of you know being forced to slow down there it was something that I got reminded of like hey no I'm, I'm probably not gonna get paid to do this anytime soon but I enjoy it and yeah. It's like a creative outlet and it's better than scrolling sure. TikTok. So definitely it's way better for your brain. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff like that. I, you know, we tried to find some silver linings. You have to, you definitely have to. So let's talk about some music. Talk about being a summer camp camp counselor and how that started. So I went to summer camp. I'll go way back to the beginning for the first time in 2004 as a senior in high school. Uh, I had attempted Bonnaroo the year before and it was kind of a disaster. Long story there. Uh, <laughs> I went with the wrong group and none of us knew what we were doing. So I, I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta do a music festival and I gotta do it right. And I, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to do this. So summer camp was the next logical choice as I'm from Detroit. It's not that far away. I was already big in the Umphreys and Mo. And obviously you get, you know, lots of both of those bands there. Uh, it just so happened to be the same weekend as my senior prom. So convincing other people to go was tough, but I managed to convince a few friends and we had a much better time than everyone who went to prom. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I guarantee that. Like a, a much better time. I Definitely. can confidently say that. Um, and I went, then I, I think I went four years in a row. Um, you know, in college there and then moved to Asia and missed it for several years. And then when we came back from Bali, after that trip from hell, 
that was Rachel's first scamp, my first one in many years. So, you know, it was cool to get back and show her this festival that kind of started it all for me. And uh, we volunteered that year, just general volunteers, checking wristbands, keeping the wooks out, you know, high-fiving people, making sure they were scanning in, um, delivering water bottles to the various crews, you know, just the stuff that keeps the festival running, right? The volunteer uh, stuff. And we had a good time, despite, you know, the flight from hell and being jet lagged and Rachel getting sick. The festival was great. And then we ended up, you know, in Mexico the next winter and I saw Scamp posting about apply to be a camp counselor. So, you know, actually, I think I did apply for 2016 and I didn't get it. So we volunteered. That's what it was. I was like, hey, I'm coming to summer camp for my first time in many years. And I applied and I didn't get it, but I, we did volunteer. And that's when I just became aware of the program. So after summer camp, I wrote a post for Festi Go Nuts. It's a great music blog. Those guys are in Colorado. Really nice. Um, I wrote a post for them about volunteering at summer camp. And I think I did something for Grateful Gypsies. So the next time around, when I applied, I had some blogs to show them about summer camp specifically. Prior to that, it was like, here, you can look at my website. There was nothing about summer camp on there. And so I, I got the spot in 2017. I was one of two or it's usually two or three a year. Um, so yeah, I, I got brought on in 2017. You know, the first year they tell you just kind of like, you know, come to the meetings, take pictures, take notes, do your thing, whatever, have a good time. Try to learn from people who have been doing it for a couple of years, try to figure out where you fit into this, you know, team. I mean, everyone has some media experience, podcasting, blogging, photo, video, interviews, um, everybody who's on the team is doing something like that. So, you know, the first year, you're just kind of trying to get your feet wet and figure it out. And as long as you, you know, show up and just don't like get messed up the whole time and take the free ticket, like you're welcome into the program. You can come back next year. So I've been, uh, I guess, if you count the virtual one, you know, I've done six as a camp counselor now. And this year was my fifth in-person as a counselor, 10th overall. I got to introduce Mo on stage on Saturday night. And they were the first jam band I ever saw 20 years ago this month. So talk about, That's talk about incredible. full circle. Yeah. You know? oh, I got goosebumps. I love that so much. That's so rad. Yeah. So, you know, it's a cool program. No, I don't know of any other festival that has something like that. And the people I've met through it, you know, the ones who have gone year after year and some come and go, right? That's why we're always choosing new ones. Not everybody like can dedicate the time and energy into, into this, especially as they get older and they move farther away, they have kids, they have careers, whatever. So people do come and go. Um, everyone I've met has been cool though. The ones who did it for a year or two and left, the ones who I've seen every year, the ones like uh, Derek, he's been to every single summer camp. Now he just yells, get off my lawn at people. <laughs> <laughs> he's been to 21 summer camps. Some people at summer camp aren't even 21 yet. So, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> just, a, it's a cool group to be a part of and it's opened other doors. Like I do cover a lot of shows throughout the year for them. Umphreys, Asheville, um, Pigeons, New Year's Eve in Asheville, Umphreys in Detroit, um, Doom Flamingo in New York City. I, I could go on and on. Like basically if there's a summer camp band 
in town, same time as me. Chances are I get to show up on the list, jump on Summer Camp's Instagram, post stories, take notes, write blog posts about it, you know, make interact, you know, make contact with the bands like Dogs in the Pile, Iggy, some of these up and coming bands. I've been pretty, you know, adamant about like finding the guys at the bottom of the lineup. And I want to, I want to meet them. I want to like meet them in person because they're more open to doing that than the guys at the top and, you know, helping them out. Like, wh wh where are you guys at? What, what shows are you doing? Can I, can I help out in any way? Do you need street team? Do you want people to share your stuff? Uh, and just, it, it's awesome. I love doing it. It's like I said, best unpaid job ever because, you know, I don't know if you, if you like comedy, but Mitch Hedberg is one of my favorite comedians. And he has this great bit about buying the donut and the guy's like, do you want a receipt? He's like, I give you the 25 cents. You give me the donut. We do not need to bring ink and paper into this transaction. That's how I feel about the whole thing with summer camp and, and working for them. quote unquote. It's like, there's no W2 or 1099 forms or this and that. I don't work for them. They don't pay me in dollars. I contribute what I do and they reward me with my favorite thing in the world, which is live music. So, you know, it's awesome. Like, I love it. I got to interview Andy Frasco in Asheville. He's super cool, down-to-earth, nice guy. Um, yeah, I'm, like, linked in with, like, Dogs in the Pile now, uh, helping them out when they when they do fish after parties and stuff like that. And I, it's just cool. We'll see where it goes, you know. Ten years into summer camp, five years into the camp counselor thing. We got a stacked fall in Asheville. I'll probably be out very hardcore this fall representing summer camp. Yeah. in in Asheville um in September and October and then we'll we'll see what the lineup is for next year that's what I always say people go are you going next year we'll see what the lineup is <laughs> probably you know it's hard for me to go to any other festival at this point like because of of it, it's just home at this point it's yeah it's going home it's a family reunion and yeah they I mean they spoil camp counselors who actually like contribute right you got to you got to contribute to the program to the more you put in, the more you get out. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love covering shows for them. I cover a lot of shows in the off season. And so, you know, at summer camp, they roll the red carpet up for me and it's great. <laughs> it's so much fun. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, I'll probably will go back next year. The only thing that would keep me from it is if we're like far away out of the country and you know, yeah, yeah, we'll see for sure. For sure. So when was your first Humphrey show? September 2003. Wow. Uh, at the Magic Bag in Ferndale, Michigan. Wow. That's Probably right. 100, 100 or so people there. <laughs> That's incredible. 2003 yeah, seems night. like eons ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was a school night, and it was 18 and up and I was the only one of my friends that was 18. So I drove myself up the road uh, to Ferndale and had the X's on my hands, you know, and caught the show. And uh, they actually came back two months later. That's what, you know, it's crazy to think that <laughs> they would play this tiny venue in, in the Metro Detroit area in September, then again in December, I think. And that time I brought a couple friends and then they played Ann Arbor in March, I think. I brought a couple more friends, then summer camp, then Bonnaroo. Then we moved off to college. And um, I think 
November of my freshman year, they had a run that was like Detroit, Grand Rapids, East Lansing. And we drove down to Detroit and that was our first tour, you know, as we like to call it, on priest tour uh, on like a Wednesday. <laughs> Didn't even tell our folks we're coming home to visit because they'd be like, it's Wednesday. Don't you have class? What am I paying for? Like, no. You know? <laughs> so we didn't even, we did, we didn't even go back home. We just drove straight downtown and went to the theater, bought our tickets and saw Jake Stasek and uh, maybe Joel. I forget for sure. Jake and Stasek. I remember they were bowling at this place. It's the, <laughs> Majestic Theater in Detroit. It's great. They have the theater, they have a bowling alley, and they have the Magic Stick Club upstairs. So Umphreys was playing, I think, in the Majestic. And we bought our tickets, went up, and we're like, hey, guys, what's up? We're like, you know, 18-year-old noobs. And they, they were real nice. Like, hey, guys, what's going on? You going to the show tonight? We we're like, yeah, we're going tonight, and we're going tomorrow, and we're going Friday, you know, on campus at Michigan State. And Stasek was like, when you guys have like, class or something? And we were like... <laughs> yeah and they just laughed you know they were like all right right on guys <laughs> you know see see in the show and um yeah that was that was that's kind of where it all started you know we were like well um fish stopped playing for one <laughs> yeah that you know still still my favorite band i'll give that disclaimer but um you know they they, they broke up there in 04 and that was right before i went to college and had already seen those couple of um, free shows and was like really into them and I mean I grew up on Pearl Jam Metallica ACDC so like makes sense why yeah. I like Umphreys yeah um and yeah then basically four years of college anytime it, they were playing in Ohio Wisconsin Indiana Illinois Michigan we were we and were that was like doing... the perfect circumference of of oh, places I, yeah I, I got I got to a hundred well sorry it took me a while to get to a hundred because I lived in Asia but those, those four years in college, I, I racked up shows pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. How many shows are you at now? I got to check the stats because summer camp, it's always like I had four every summer camp, you know, these days. Yeah. I basically play four, yeah. four shows. I'm, I'm pushing 150, I think. Nice. Got to check. I got to check. Finally, like my, so I saw several fish shows and they broke up and my umphreys count went way ahead of fish. And then I, I saw a lot of fish the last couple of years. And then they're kind of neck and neck at this point. Yeah. yeah. But people always think it's wild. Like, wait, you've seen two different bands more than a hundred times each. They're like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen a hundred concerts. Like that's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's true for most people, you know, like for sure. It's so funny when I meet people and sometimes I meet people that have like never been to a concert. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I get that all the time. I've what never is been that? What does that yeah. mean? What do those words mean in a sentence I together? <laughs> right. What? I'm like, not even, not even like a free show down the street. Like, I don't know. I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> boggles my mind as much as me having been to like a thousand shows probably boggles their mind. For it's sure. Yeah. Inexplicable. Yeah. It's a completely different world. And then add in your whole lifestyle. I'm sure people are just like, yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> what well, are you if, doing? If, we got, if, I, if I started adding like Biscuits, Tribe, Panic, like, yeah, it's, it's probably a handful of bands and pushing 500 shows total. Yeah. Like, really, it's the usual suspects, you know, following the same people around year after year. <laughs> it's a great way to live, though. That's for oh, sure. It is. It's awesome. Definitely. All the memories. 
always looking for an excuse to go to Red Rocks or the Gorge or Vegas or Nashville or, you know, (laughs) like there's so many cool places. Definitely. So where is like your favorite place to see Humphreys? I mean, Red Rocks is awesome. It's just like one of the best places to ever see a show. You know, I've only been out to Red Rocks for Humphreys once, um, but that was a lot of fun. And I I like seeing them at the State Theater, Fillmore, they call it now in Detroit because it's right down the road. It's home. You know, I I grew up going to shows there, you know, OAR in high school and like (laughs) a panic and Humphreys. And when I got into jam bands and it's just cool, you know, being, being home um Asheville they play yeah you know at the arena now uh, we yeah. finally got to do that this year and that that's our home away from home so I love seeing them there um holidays I've been to two of the yeah. holidays so yep. it doesn't matter where it is I'm freeze on the beach is a damn good time <laughs> for sure for sure I did my first holidays this past December and uh, was just like oh so amazing. good that lineup I was so jealous <gasps> it was God. so good so good that trip fell into my lap it was an alignment of the stars and I'm so glad that I left and and did it because it was awesome amazing I wish we would I wish we would have gone for it but you know we we like I said did the whole fish fall tour and going to holidays weeks after that just was not in the cards yeah for sure for sure (laughs) so where's like the lottery sure yeah. Win the lottery. That's what I always have people like, if you win the lottery, what would you do? And I'm like, I would go on Humphrey's tour. Yeah. I'd go on all the tours. I'd go <laughs> see way more music than I already do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> I would have gone to Iceland. I mean, if we're talking the bucket list, like yeah. I, I I've actually been there on the way home from the world cup, but I didn't have enough time to do any of the cool Iceland stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't see a glacier or go to the blue lagoon or any of that. Um, and also my wife was like, don't go do all that cool stuff. Cause I don't care about missing the world cup, but I do care about missing that. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I just passed through and I really wanted to go for that. Um, I had a ticket and then I ended up selling it because we decided to join two of my siblings on a trip to Southern Europe instead. But, um, you know, going to see, um, or ne- next year, the biscuits have announced they're doing that. Um, just that's a bucket list thing. I don't know if we'll Go be able to make it for can. biscuits. It was, it was incredible. I'm so, so glad ex- that I went. I spent two days there and I remember I spent a lot of money on just me eating hot yeah. dogs and staying in a dorm room. So, you know, yeah. we got to figure out the work situation, but it'd be rad to catch a show there. Um, for other venues to see Umphreys. I mean, I, I know they've done it once or twice that the Ryman in Nashville would be. Yeah. Rad. I would you love know? to see um, them there. Yeah. Or, I mean, I like that Ascend Amphitheater there too, I guess. Maybe, I think Umbrace has played there before, maybe once. It doesn't seem like they've been back. So, you know, maybe uh, do a a show there. Oh, at the Caverns. I'm going to go see them at the Caverns next month. That's that's been on my bucket list for a while. And I know they're playing. I think that, yeah, that's above above ground. Yeah, I saw them in the cave like right before code. That was my last shows was the the cavern show and then they did the two nights in Asheville with Billy opening and that was like my last show so I'm like yeah these are the last shows I ever see Billy opening from is a hell of a way to go out (laughs) I remember bitching like why didn't we go to those and Rachel was like because we didn't know the world was going to shut down and we were going to carnival in Colombia and that's cool too yeah. And we did we did get to experience Carnival, I will say. That was like right before the world shut down. So that was fun. Oh, that was probably about, really about cool. the same time you were seeing Umphreys with uh with Billy. Yeah. 
So we, we might get to go in the caves if we go, there's like a festival two weeks before the oh, nice. dumb shows. It's like yeah. Papadocio, Sun Squabby, Doom Flamingo, La Special. Um, so it's my birthday weekend. We're going to see if we can go for at least one night because they are actually doing music in the caves there. And then we'll, we're hundred percent going for above the caves uh, for the biscuits and umpries. So that, that'll be fun. That'll be I'm fun. definitely going there. I will see the caves, whether or not I see the music in there, you know, we yeah. might be making two trips there in August. So that'll be cool. That's been high on the list for a couple of years now. Yeah, definitely. It's a cool experience. It's, it's really interesting though, because there's, there's only one way in and the same yep. way out. <laughs> so uh-huh. that's kind of like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this, but yeah. it's still a very cool experience. Rad. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. Lots of friends going for that one. So yeah. We, yeah. Will we see you there? I might, I might, okay. we'll see. I, I always like put them on the calendar and then like yeah. something might come up and then like, I wind up going people like, Oh, you are here. And I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's like a well, we're surprise. basically, we're driving to Nashville tomorrow and we'll be in and out of Nashville for the next month because it turns out it is a great, pretty centrally located airport to plan summer look stuff around. So we're like, going up to Detroit so we can see fish in Cleveland and Detroit, then back down to Nashville to hopefully go to the festival in the caverns, then out to Denver for the Primus Ween Red Rock South Park thing. Oh, yeah. Staying out there for Goose uh, at Dillon and Red Rocks, then flying back to Nashville to go to the Umphreys Biscuits Caverns, then back to Detroit to do Umphreys Grand Rapids, Vic, Sacred Rose. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that run, yeah back to nashville finally to pick the car up and drive it back here so that's what we got on tap for the next month nice. wish me luck i told I one of my it. friends our schedule and he was like i hope you live not, <laughs> not, not i hope you have fun or like he's like i hope you live i hope you survive that <laughs> yeah so wish me luck i'm re- recovering from a sore neck because i'm old and i was headbanging at rage against the machine last week and then chasing children around and playing like I'm the fun uncle. So we were having like a good old time, but now I'm feeling my age. Like I can't headbang like I'm Beavis and Butthead anymore. I got to like, you know, make sure I get my, my sleep and eat my veggies and <laughs> take my vitamins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Put the sunscreen yeah, so, on, you know, all those yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We might like the only thing that might not happen is that Caverns Festival. All the other stuff we're going, we got tickets for sure. So Nice. Nice. Yeah, well, I'll definitely see you in Grand Rapids and the Vic and Sacred Rose. Yep. And that's that's so, going to be a really so rad fun. run for sure. I haven't been on Humphrey's tour in a while. You know, I see them very often. And, you know, every chance I get when it's, you know, Detroit, Asheville, Nashville, whatever, like summer camp. But, you know, this will be the first time in a while where I'm like, hey, I'm on Humphrey's tour. I'm going from this show to that show to that show. Yes. So, Love yeah, that. It'll be Love fun. Good. Go ahead and end the summer. Definitely. For sure. So if you could pick a cover for Umphreys to do that they haven't done yet, what would you pick? Well, first of all, I've never seen him play All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Me and my and, daughter were just talking about them playing that song yesterday. Well, That's it, so funny you said that. <laughs> and I had a ticket to the Red Barn in 2004 at summer camp, and they evacuated the park because of a tornado warning. And nobody had smartphones or Facebook, uh, you know, on their phone, whatever, at their fingertips back then. We went to some like local motel down the road and we're just like waiting it out. And these guys 
in the room next to us said, we're going to go check it out. Give us a number. We'll call you if the show is on. They never called. So we just like watched the NBA finals and drank some Bud Lights and went back to the park and come to find out that they did play that show and they played all night long. And I've still never seen it. So, and Rachel's like, that's the dumbest cover for you to like, I requested it at my hundredth show, but some girl beat me to it and requested Bridgeless. So Boo. Um, I still haven't seen that one. We could always so get a I'd bridge like list. That. <laughs> yeah. And then like we, we went to 420 Fest, but we missed the Thursday night set that got added. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't have a Thursday ticket. We weren't going to, we weren't going to get there in time. And they, it's the all night wrong set. And I was like, oh, they're going to fucking play it tonight. I know it, but they didn't. So I don't have to be angry about missing it. Um, so, you know, that'd be great if they could play that for me. And then. You know, I mean, I love Tool. They already do like 46 and 2. Yeah. Um, so there's a handful of other Tool songs, I guess, I could maybe come up with. And I just saw Rage Against the Machine. Now they, they tease like bomb track once in a while. So I, I'd say go ahead and play that. Let's let's get a full on. Let's just do know, it. Bo- bomb track or Gorilla Radio or, or one of those songs. Just let Chris unleash it. You know, yeah, like, let's, let's do this. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Great That'd answer. be rad. I, I love the <laughs> the totally different spectrum of your answer there. Well, because you, you Lionel added Richie that, and <laughs> Well, you said song they haven't played yet. So obviously they, they have played all night long many times. They just don't really play it anymore. And I've yeah. never seen it. 20 years, 100 something shows. So, you know. I even tried tweeting Joel, which is like what you're supposed to do to get a <laughs> request. I mean, so we'll see, you know, maybe, maybe at my 20th summer camp, they'll do it for me. I mean, come on. They have to <laughs> at that point. You kind of deserve it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a, a good question though. What's uh, one of your favorite things about being a part of the Umfree community? Uh, just the awesome people that I've, met along the way you know and good friends that i still see you know some of them don't go to that many shows these days um but you know i, I know that i got friends all over the place yeah. because of because of that early uh tour experience i had you know friends in ohio friends in chicago friends down south friends out east, like all over the place yeah so just it, it's um you know it's a it's a cool community of, of, of people and all the international experiences i've been holidays i went to the jam and the dam so holidays in jamaica mexico and then you know jam and the dam in the netherlands like and a lot of the same people were at those events with me so yeah it's like a tight-knit community it's like you know it's not a, a big and chaotic as like fish the dead panic those bands so you, you bump into people more often more easily and get to know their names you know and I love that. I, I do kind of miss the board, the the, the, yeah. the fan message board, but like there's the face. Everybody's doing Facebook groups now, so you know the Humphreys one is fun. Um, yeah. I just love that. I, I see familiar faces and names everywhere I go. So yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, let me see. What is uh, some of the ways that Humphreys inspires you? Um. You know, I, I am inspired by them and most of the bands I like to take risks and to improvise. I mean, our, you know, I showed you our sticker where we made our slogan, improvise your life. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. these guys get on stage every night and 
take big risks and sometimes they pay off and sometimes they fall flat and sometimes the crowd goes crazy and sometimes they you know head to the bathroom to get and grab a beer and like yeah yeah the willingness the willingness to put themselves out there and you know try different things try different uh, styles and different approaches and you know just knowing that they're you know they're doing what they want to do right and evolving uh, i respect that instead of like trying to just keep doing what what worked initially right like if yeah. you listen to you know a song like dbk and then listen to some of the new stuff like it sounds totally different same group of guys and it's cool to see that progression over the years and like evolution just yeah willingness to take risks and put yourself out there you know as a, as a writer as a you know content creator i'm making videos and stuff like putting myself out there it it, it inspires me to say well just because this person has a lot of followers or whatever like it doesn't mean i need to do that i'm going to be myself i'm going to do what i want to do i'm going to do it in my style i'm going to be true to form and sometimes it goes over and sometimes it doesn't but hey you gotta like be willing to take a risk so yeah at least you tried yeah you might fall on your face but you know might strike gold and you won't know until you try. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have one last question for you. Brad. Describe Umphreys in three words. Rage, rest, repeat. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. It. I use it all the time. I Perfect. know they don't really like, they don't print merch with that anymore, but I got a sticker on my computer, on my case for my computer that, that has that from when they did it many years ago and uh, dude I, that, that's my motto for life you know basically yeah rage rest repeat like get out there you know leave it all on the stage or in the ring I'm a wrestling fan too so I like to go with those uh you know um analogies too like just leave it all out there on the field in the ring on the stage whatever you're doing uh and then yeah you know like take time to, to take take a breath and step back and you know Spend time with your family, spend time doing other things that you like and, you know, they get back out there and do it again. And they, they keep doing that, you know, 25 years or whatever in now. And like, I just feel like it encompasses their, their vibe, their music, their fans, their whole scene, you know, like, I mean, we, we could make that the official motto of summer camp and it'd be great, but like Humphreys already took it. So it's a good thing that they play summer camp every year and they play several sets because, you know, they really, I think it, encapsulate the, the vibe of the festival more so than really anybody else at this point in time. And I yeah. love Mo. Don't get me wrong. I freaking love Mo, but I love Mo too. Being, being from Buffalo. I mean, yeah. Mo is what, you know, led me to Umphrey. So I feel you. Just, just those three words, rage, rest, repeat like that, that describes the whole weekend that describes my life really. And I feel like it yeah. describes what, what the band does for us, you know, on, on a nightly basis. So I appreciate it. That's perfect. <laughs> and you know what? I've asked so many people that question and you were just right there with your answer. So many people have to sit and think for a minute and like ponder I mean, their answer. You were just like, boom. I, I know. I, 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 I could think of, you know, three words for, for how their music sounds or how the show feels, whatever. But I just feel like they already took care of it for us with that catchy slogan. It's perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank Umphrey's marketing team for that one. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely well this has been so much fun I'm so yeah. glad that we were finally able to catch up and and talk and yeah. I got to get to know more about you and and your lifestyle and 
all that. And this has been so great. Thank you so it's been much. Been a long time, time coming. I, I'm Definitely. glad we finally got to finally got to do it. Um, look forward to raging the show maybe at the caverns but definitely grand rapids definitely grand rapids we will see about the caverns but thanks for, for reminding sure. me i gotta figure out how we're getting from detroit to grand rapids i know it's the same state but that's quite a distance so i'm gonna yes. do some travel planning make sure we're there <laughs> i do have tickets which is good because it's sold out that that's the the biggest thing you know is the tickets the first part i think i've seen like the yeah. meme like you buy the tickets before yeah. you figure out like time off of work how you're getting there babysitters I mean, any of that other shit will work itself i out. know what shows <laughs> i need to get tickets for and like that's one of those shows where i didn't even bother trying to request to cover it for scamp because they don't need help selling those tickets i don't need to work there i happily bought my tickets i'll be in attendance for sure no need to wait for approval uh, for anything same with the Vic like I bought those tickets I'm just a fan that night I'll probably be on the summer camp Instagram because it's fun getting to take over the festival's Instagram <laughs> oh I'm sure I'm sure it's a good time so yeah awesome well I will definitely see you soon all right well let us know if you're coming to caverns because we will be there all right we'll do all right word well have a good uh have a good evening and enjoy your the rest of your summer we'll see you out there at uh at a show Definitely. Be safe and take care. Thanks. Word. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.